This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey, folks, welcome back here in the workplace. I'm Dan O'Mara. I'm Peter Capelli. I'm adjunct faculty here at the Wharton School and a partner at Ogletree Deacons. Uh, and I'm a professor of management here at the Wharton School. I just mixed that up a little, Dan. Yeah, usually threw I, me off. I, I, I usually I say my name first because, frankly, I just forgot. Okay. I forgot what it was. Or? Uh, for, you know, I forgot my name. Pretty okay. much got the name thing down. I just uh, had it out of order. Well, I had an interesting uh, most of the week in Los Angeles. Oh, do how, tell. How do about tell. your week? Yours was exciting, too? Uh, no, it was back here uh, stateside, just working hard. Stateside, yeah. California, not in the normal state kind of thing. No. <laughs> it's like it's a foreign country. So I have a request for listeners out there, because I, I believe everybody in Los Angeles and the general Los Angeles area, I think the city of Los Angeles is about the same size as the state of New Jersey. It just goes yeah, on forever. Yeah. And then the surrounding suburbs. I believe that everybody in that uh, Los Angeles area at any given moment is in their car because they were all seemed to be in cars right in front of us wherever we were trying to go anywhere and i should say we never tried to go anywhere in the you know during rush hour anytime near rush hour it was always you know like on sunday or 11 o'clock during the week and it was still you know bumper to bumper so here's my question for any listener out there if you are in los angeles and you're not in your car give us a call because i just want to see if anybody actually is not in their car in Los Angeles. And here's the number, just uh, so you can give us a call, 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Anybody in Los Angeles who is not in their car, give us a call. Although our listeners are not exactly a random sample of people in Well, LA. that's true. That's true. Most of them Good are point, Dan. getting a serious exam but, but we in don't their wanna, car. But we don't want to talk about no stinking statistics yeah. here. Okay. <laughs> that's fair enough. No social science stuff you from have, you. Notwithstanding all the traffic, which everybody moves to L.A., mm. complains about, mm-hmm. uh, was it a good trip? Uh, the weather was L.A.-like, mm-hmm. which meant that it stopped raining, which was unusual. It rained the entire week before, which mm-hmm. was... Which was nice. And, you know, it's, you know, it's like a big suburb, right? Sorry, L.A., but basically it's, that seems to be what it's like. At least us East Coasters feel that that's the uh, story. Which of the many um, cities within L.A. were you in? Uh, Westlake Village, which is just outside of the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, Santa Monica, which is, I believe, inside Mm -hmm. the city. And Malibu, which is just... Outside the city, mm-hmm. so I think you got to go like twenty miles to get a- away from Los Angeles from the center part. I think okay. you can fly from one part of Los Angeles to the other. So it's I pretty, think you can. pretty, pretty spread out. But a nice place to visit. There you right? go, especially when it's cold and yucky yeah. here in the East Coast. Yeah. So we're going to talk today about many things. We're going to start out talking about internships. After that, we're going to talk about morality a bit. And we're going to talk about. Um, how work or modern workplaces might be making us sick. And then in the last half hour of the show, we're going to talk about a number of items in the news, including this very strange story about uh, cheerleaders being uh, fired 
for not complying with um, the rules for cheerleaders. Rules for cheerleaders. But they say, say it's actually sex discrimination. Right, which seem to be quite different than the rules for football players. So you can decide on that one. We're going to start out here talking about internships. And, of course, for folks who've been paying attention, at least since the Great Recession, the topic of internships has become really a big one. And particularly if you've had kids who were college age or trying to get into the labor market, the first thing that's important is that employers increasingly are looking for people who have had work experience of some kind or another and increasingly internships in the area where they're looking for jobs. Part of the reason for that, let's be blunt, is because um, we're not training people anymore. And uh, if you've got somebody who's already worked someplace else, then they pretty much are know what they're doing or are more likely to know what they're doing. So you could see why you would want to hire those people. The problem is sort of for the students or young people themselves, if everybody wants you to have had an internship before, how do you get the internship, mm -hmm. right? And that led to some interesting legal problems because lots of young people were willing to work for nothing, including not just young people, but people who had lost jobs or wanted to change fields needed some experience on their resume, or wanted experience in a new field, they were willing to work for nothing. And it turns out that in many parts of the American economy, or maybe not many, but some parts, like journalism, this has long been an institution that people worked effectively for nothing as interns in order to get experience. Uh, and as Dan will no doubt tell us in just a second, and our guest in just a second too, that uh, violates the law. You're not Maybe. supposed to probably, Maybe. most cases, violates the law. Um, as I say with my junior lawyer merit badge, <laughs> uh, which I'm working my way up from Weblos to uh, standard Boy Scout merit badge here, um, could very well violate the law. Yes. Probably does in most of these cases. So uh, we want to talk about where things stand now because it looks like there are new guidelines that have come down from the Department of Labor. And with us to talk about these new guidelines is Michael Schmidt, who's the vice chair of the Labor and Employment Department at Cozen O'Connor, one of many former employers of Dan O'Mara. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Michael. Thank you so much for having me back. Sure. It's our pleasure. So, Michael, tell us what's the story here. Uh, what do the new rules say? What, Or maybe back up a bit. What's the problem the new rules are trying to clear up? Well, so prior to January 5th of this year, um, you have, and it's a problem that you have with a lot of employment law statutes and regulations, you have all kinds of different standards depending on the particular agency or depending on the particular court that is deciding the issue. Okay. So Can I stop of, you on there already? Of course. Uh, and that is, uh, in other words, uh, tell me if I got this right, different laws have different standards for what you can do if you're going to be a non-employee versus an employee, right? Well, that's one part of it. So okay. not only do you have different laws addressing the issue, but even with the same laws. So yep. in this particular case, you're dealing with a law which is called the Fair Labor Standards Act, the FLSA, right. which talks about wages and hours that people can work, particularly dealing with overtime pay. Right. Um, that's, that's the primary part of this law. And even with that one law, you could have an administrative agency like the United States Department of Labor, as well as courts around the country applying or dealing 
dealing with this one law, but coming up with a totally different standard. Ooh. Um, yeah. Really? And, yeah. Oh. So that's what makes this um, a little bit crazy as well. Very exciting. So same law, same issue, different people adjudicating it yeah. make different decisions. Yeah. That's so, correct. So this is like a full employment plan for you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> for lawyers. It, it, if it's just a matter of reading it on the Internet, then you wouldn't need lawyers, right? Yeah. Oh, that's sorry. That's idea. a bad thing for you guys, isn't it? No. Well, it's a good I'm, thing. I won't comment on that. <laughs> yeah. no, that's a good thing. Okay. Um <laughs> But so to, an- so to answer your question from the historical perspective, um, and I'll keep this part brief, um, you had a situation, as I just described, where you have this wage and hour statute on the federal side being interpreted a little bit differently by both the administrative agency, the Department of Labor, and courts around the country, yeah. such that they've come up with different tests. And the Department of Labor, and again, we all know now that this is a Republican administration in Washington, um, so this Republican-controlled, essentially, United States Department of Labor decided that we want to try to reduce some of this confusion. We want to reduce um, a lot of the angst that businesses were having with the Obama-era regulations that yep. were coming out of the Department of Labor. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, at a minimum, try to be consistent with where courts have been going on this internship issue over the last couple of years. Okay, so can I, can I ask you a question about this, too? So it, it, just so we've got it all straight here, people who don't play in the law sandbox, um, and that is the administrative agencies, which are governed by political appointees, um, have different views on what they should do, and typically the Democrats are more inclined to be worried about employee issues. The Republicans are more inclined to worry about employer issues. And so the regulations and the advice on them flips around a fair bit between administrations or just a little that, bit? What's your sense? No, I think that's fair to say. I think it differs depending on the particular employment issue, but I think that's a fair statement. Uh, you know, And it's part of the problem that both sides have. Okay. Companies trying to figure out how to uh, you know, uh, um, match their behavior to the rules when the rules change by the political winds. Okay. Uh, and the same thing on the employee side, when they don't know what their rights are, and those rights and benefits may change depending on the political administration as well. Right. And uh, for the courts, though, they change much more slowly, right? I mean, they still change depending on whether it's a Democrat or Republican judge, but that takes a long time to change, and judges aren't supposed to do that, right? Absolutely, and and for the most part, they tend not to, and you're right. It it happens a lot uh, more slowly on the uh, judicial side than it does on the administrative uh, or the executive side. So, Michael, tell us what happened with respect to the DOL and internships in in January or whenever that was that that changed things. Sure, and to be sensitive to, as you just said, to those who don't necessarily play in the sandbox regularly, the, the issue is that the, the wage and hour law that we're talking about, this Fair Labor Standards Act, only protects those people who are employees. Right. And so where the issue comes up is if you are an employee, you have to be paid overtime minimum wage. If you are not an employee, you don't have those protections. Okay. So when it comes to internship programs, that's really the question. Are these individuals who are referred to as interns, are they really employees who have to be paid, or are they not employees and therefore don't have to be paid? And, and can we stop for a second here and just point out to listeners, both employers and potential employees, that even if you want to volunteer to work for nothing... Um, at least for companies, you can't do that, right? 
That's true on the private side. And yeah. the public side, for public employers, there are in some circumstances um, ways that you can be a volunteer. But, right. you know, that dispenses with a real good myth that I hear all the time. As a private employer and a private employee, you cannot be a volunteer even if both sides want to do it. Right. Uh, so a non But not, when you say yeah. public, you're actually talking about not-for-profit. Is that right? Yeah, and government employers. Sure. Okay. Right. And, uh, yeah, not-for-profit. Universities can do that. You can volunteer at hospitals. You can volunteer at universities. The public ones. Public public ones. Right. Right. Uh, but you can't, uh, you can't for the for-profit hospitals. And presumably you can't for for-profit schools either. Right? Presumably, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably okay. right. Okay. So tell us what happened in uh, January. So in what, what was before January, what the Department of Labor had um, was this very strict um, uh, six-part test that you had to go through these six factors, and they were essentially yes-no types of questions, and you had to find that all six factors um, fell on one side, either the employee Ooh. side or the non-employee okay, side. Okay, uh, so Michael, I'm going to waive the gong right here. Uh, and that means, as you probably know, I've been on the show before, if we get too legal, we bang the gong to stop the lawyers. But mm -hmm. I think it might be amusing for people to hear what the six are and to think about maybe the internships in their own organization and see what they think the answers are. Are you okay, go are you okay going down the six for us? Or Dan oh, although it no longer, the, the six factors six? no longer applies. Right. So yeah. if we get that granular, let's do it under the new standard. Okay. Boom. Okay. okay. You guys. So okay? There was the old, I'll let you guys fight that out. No. I'll do no. There was the old six. We'll go. We have to meet all six. Yeah. And now there's the new one, and you'll tell us about that. Yeah. Right. So the old one, you had six, all of which had to be met. What okay. they did now, as of January 5th, is they came up with seven factors. Ooh. But but these are balancing factors now. Not all of them have to be met. There's, you're going to look at by a on a case by case basis whether looking at these seven criteria whether Ooh. it's 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 looking like the person is more of an employee or not an employee okay it's, re it's referred to as the primary beneficiary test okay primary hmm. beneficiary test who is the primary beneficiary of this relationship of this internship program okay can if i can i ask it are the yeah. are the seven similar to the six or have the have the can have the criteria changed as well as the absolute aspect of them Little of both. Okay. Little of both. Ooh, just Little to really both. mix it up for employers. Okay. Of course. Okay. And again, you know, it, it's sort of as I like to say it. If you want to really non-legalize this, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Okay. So, so you know, the nutshell here is, if you have an individual who really doesn't look much different than your regular employees, yep. doing the same thing as a regular employee does, and everything is the same except for the fact that you're not paying this person. Yeah. Yeah. That person's still a duck. They're a duck. Sounds right to me. Likely to be an employee. Okay. okay. All right. So we're going. Okay. We're going to watch for quacking. Okay. And just to remind <laughs> listeners what we're doing, we're talking with Michael Schmidt, who's the vice chair of labor and employment at the Cozen O'Connor Law Firm, and we're talking about new regulations to determine who's an intern, who's not, or more practically, do you get paid or not? I need to throw one more little wrench into the situation. Oh, here. of course. Yeah. Because what we've been talking about so far is the federal side of things, the United yeah. States Department of Labor and what changed there. we got 50 states. Yeah, and what I get all the time is all of this excitement. You know, Mike, we've got a Republican in the White House, a Republican Congress, and now this is going to be all pro-employer, pro-business. And what I say all the time is unlike 5, 10, 20 years ago, employment law has very much become a state and local yeah. um, 
uh, system. So, for example, in a state like New York, which is where I practice, but this is by no means unique to New York, they have their own internship programs uh, um, and standards and tests. So in New York State, for example, they didn't care what the federal people did. They've got an 11, yes, I said (laughs) 11-factor test to determine whether someone is an intern or not. And it's not a flexible test. Nothing has changed. You have to meet all 11 criteria. Okay. So so in some respects, it almost is a moot point what the federal government did with this new standard. Yeah. If you are in a state or in a city where you still have a stringent kind of test. Okay. And let me uh, just add a a thought of organizing question on this. Is it fair to say that if you're in a Republican stronghold state, they haven't passed a lot of these laws and the federal law is more likely to bite? Like if you're in Mississippi... Mm -hmm. It's probably the federal law that's going to bite or Texas, but if you're in a Democrat state, you got a whole set of additional laws you got to pay attention to. Is that probably yeah, fair? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a broad stroke, but I think that is fair. I okay. think you know, if you if your state and local municipalities are like the federal is, and that is, you know, more Republican, more conservative, more pro-business, yes, you're less likely to have competing internship standards. And one more a qualifying question before we get to our fabulous seven-point test here, uh, and that is um, when state laws and federal laws conflict in this context, which one wins? Well, the one that's uh, tougher, protective. The one that's protective for the Ooh, employee. Employers nice? need to comply with both state and federal law. The employee mm-hmm. can choose which they sue under or both. Ooh, employee gets both. to that's choose. Right. So Ooh, if there's conflict, have, fun. Yeah. You can have a minimum wage, you know, a federal minimum wage of $7.25. If you have a state, and virtually everyone does, that has a higher minimum wage, you've got to comply with the more protective, the higher yeah. minimum wage. Okay. There are uh, other subject matters where federal law strongly preempts Correct. state and local laws such as employee benefits and a few other areas, but the wage hour is not one of them, nor is discrimination. So oh, both correct. apply. Okay. This so, internship test is not one of them. Okay, okay. let's get to our internship yeah. test. Tell us about the, the seven factors. The, and well, well, it's too bad we don't have fun music for this. I'm looking at our engineer, but we don't. I'd <laughs> ding, love to do ding, like a David ding, Letterman ding, top ding. seven or something yeah. like that. Yeah, top, yeah. We can do your top seven. Okay. Tell us about them. Yeah. Number uh, seven is? Number seven is that uh, it's the extent to which both the internship and the company understand that there is no entitlement to a paid job at the end of the internship. Um, Boom. Okay. Well, that one's pretty easy, right? All you got to do is just make sure that you... Oh, very nice music. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's the Jeopardy music. I love that. By number three, oh, it's, it's Jeopardy. Good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, so, yeah. but that basically can be done with a letter or a note, right? That says, yeah. or proof, you get the employee to sign the thing that says, I understand there's no guarantee of a job here. Yes, uh, I will take interns for 600 And okay. let me just tell yes, you, exactly. let me, but the, only, the only caveat <laughs> to that is, and this applies in a lot of employment law areas as well, you can put all the bells and whistles you yeah. want in an agreement, in a written letter. You have to make sure that what's happening, in fact, day-to-day comports oh. you know, with the law, not just oh. what the writing says. Oh, so... Because the employee, the, the intern could easily say, sure, I signed a bunch of papers when I started, yeah. but that one manager kept urging me, if I really do a great job... I can oh, get a job okay. here after I'm done. Now, okay. what, if, what if you, that, that doesn't prevent you as an employer from hiring one of these folks as a permanent employee, right? Nope, it does not. It just prevents except, you from promising. Except, except when they're later accused of uh, exploiting unpaid interns right. and they say, oh, there's no expectation we'll be hired here. The intern's going to turn around and say, 
Oh, how about that woman <laughs> you yeah. did hire out of the internship, fool? Right, right. And yeah, what okay. if you have a history of that? So you know, I think, you've, all, you've, had, you've had six interns in the last three years, and oh, coincidence, they've all been hired for permanent jobs. Yeah, so I think that's called yeah. in the world of law a bad fact. Yes. Is that yes, right? Yes, indeed. Okay, bad okay. fact. Okay, okay. Give us another seven. Number seven. Number, that was seven. Number six. Yep. And this is a real important one. The extent to which the intern's work is going to be complementary of the otherwise paid employees that are at the company as opposed to displacing the person. In other words, if you as a company are bringing on this intern because you don't want to hire someone for pay to do that job, that's the quacks like a duck, sounds like a duck, is a duck situation. Okay. This has got to be someone who is complementing, who is supporting Ooh. your employee staff and not displacing your employees. So, uh, th- but this one gets quite slippery, I would think. So, let's say, for example, they all do. Yeah, yeah. let's say, for example, that we hire um, student interns to get coffee for our producers. Let's say, mm-hmm. which of, mm-hmm. of course we do. Uh, we have a whole team, a crack team of coffee getters. Um, now, it's not doing work that the producers. Uh, necessarily do as producers, but it is it is complementing what they they do. But otherwise, right. the producers would have to do it themselves. Does that right. look like it qualifies? Can I we... think it probably would because we, it's not. I don't think it's as much a question of is this something the producer would otherwise do if forced to. I think you, you, you're looking at is that really the primary function of what the producer is doing? Oh, so we could get away with not paying them. Well, you're going to have more of a problem with numbers two, three, and yeah. four, okay. but at least, yeah. at least for but, six, at least for six, you may be okay. okay. And on six, let me give you another real concrete. <laughs> oh, wait, concrete. everything shuts down here. The interns have yeah. walked out. Oh, hang on. <laughs> on. On six, let me give you a more concrete example. What if you hire these interns when they happen to be out of school and when a number of your employees are taking vacations, in other words, in yeah. summer? Okay. So really, they are summer replacements, working under close supervision, mm. but doing the work that full-time employees do, but while they're on vacation such that they're not causing any layoffs, they're really supplementing. I'm going to say quack, quack. They tend to call those temp employees. Yeah, I call that quacking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Okay. Michael. uh, Move up the list to number five. Number five. So you're going to look at the extent to which the duration of the internship is limited to the period in which the internship is providing some beneficial learning, some educational concept. Okay. So it's, so mm. it's not as if you have a two-week you know, educational program built in, but the internship is four months in length. Okay. Okay, got it. So that means, just to reflect on that, so that means um, if you want it to be an unpaid thing, you better make sure that it looks like people are learning all the way through and just not going through an initial training program, right? Yes, and that goes to the very next element. Okay. Number four. Yeah. You're going to look at the extent to which the internship is actually providing training that is similar to what would be given in an educational environment. Oh, now there's a tough one. There's a tough one. Not, so for example, not really. I, it's very illuminating, though, yeah, as so to whether example, it's an internship or not. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a tough hurdle to, to reach if you're an employer, right? Okay. Well, it depends. You could be setting up, you know, an educational program, maybe have some uh, employee designated as, as the one leading this, and every week, once a week, once every two weeks, yeah. you're having a classroom setting where, you know, we've discussed what we've learned, we've applied it, you know, what uh, questions do okay. we have. Okay. Yeah. We can set up our program in such a way that, that, you know, it's clear that there is this educational uh, back and forth to it. How about our producer just points out that getting coffee is not educational, but a lot of students, Michelle, will point out, go to the bar. So how about happy hour? Could you 
Could you work happy hour in there as one of these? Yeah. Only if you want to get fired. It's an educational. Let's move on. No, it's an edu- <laughs> educational. It's something you do see in educational institutions. Sure. But I take Dan's point here that yeah. he's giving Quacking me like the, a duck. Let's, let's yeah. move up to number four. Okay. Or whatever we're up to. Although that's number three. 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 Number, number three. three. So we're going to look at the extent to which the internship accommodates the intern's academic commitments by corresponding to the academic calendar. And again, okay. that goes to uh-huh. and it's still consistent with number four. Yeah. How much of this is really an educational thing? Yeah. So try. Well, so how about those internships, uh, which are done now as part of schooling, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I got to say, is a, is really a bad thing, <laughs> because you're basically paying college tuition for somebody mm-hmm. to work yeah. for free someplace. Yeah. But um, how about those? Are they so they're during the school year? Um, those are tougher to sell then, right? Well, no, it depends. They could be during the school year, but you're still um, being mindful of the class schedule. So maybe you're scheduling them for certain hours where they're not oh. having class. Oh. You know, Monday and Monday and Wednesday, they're coming in from 12 to 3, Ooh. and Tuesday and Thursday, they're coming in after 4. So okay, so, are, that, so it fits the individual student, not right. the academic year per se. Right. It could be both or it could be either one. Correct. Okay. All right. So we're down to number two. Number two, also staying with this um, uh, educational component, the extent to which the internship is going to be tied to that intern's formal education program. Is yeah. there receipt of academic credit? Right. Is there some integrated coursework between a class that the person's taking at school and right. the kinds of um, uh, um, tasks that the individual is doing at the internship? Right, and that has traditionally been an important one, right? That's, that was certainly not new. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, are we down to drum roll for number one? Number we one. Okay. We are. The number one of the seven factors for the new Department of Labor test is the extent to which both the intern and the company clearly understand there is no expectation of compensation. Okay, so it's that like seems number like seven. It's going to be pretty clear right up front in that every engagement. Be. Boom. Yeah. That should be. So one okay. in, and seven seem pretty wimpy to okay. me. You just tell them, hey, there's no job after this. You're not getting paid. Now, I'm going to run a little quiz here. I'm going to quiz Peter, my po- co-host. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give two hypotheticals, and you tell me whether you think they are interns and can be unpaid or whether they're actually employees, and then we'll get the expert Michael to tell us if you're right or wrong. Now, is there going to be a none of the above choice here for any of these? Or no? no. Lawyers like to use depends. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you, Michael. That's yeah. always my default. On one hand, this. On the other hand, yeah. that. Okay. In right. situation Number Two-handed one, lawyer. Uh, the intern at issue uh, is in a master's program for uh, marriage and family counseling. Yes. And to get the degree, she or he needs to complete an internship with one of a series of prescribed uh, mental health institutions where they go to work there five days a week, uh, 40 hours a week. But for the semester, there's regular check-in by the person from the university who supervises mm. this. Uh, they're actually given a, a approve or no approve uh, grade by the by the putative mm. employer. Uh, the and, employer gives them a grade. Well, yeah, basically says, are they showing up? Are they doing everything okay. they're supposed to? Are you they know, getting college, back, back cal- the, college yeah, credit for yeah, it? Yeah, they're getting college credit. I'm uh, saying, in fact, it's needed to graduate. I'm saying intern. That uh, Michael, you, can, you cannot, you don't have to pay him. I would say, based on just the facts you gave me, that's leaning more toward the intern, the, the legitimate intern bucket. Ding, okay. ding, ding! I Boom. think I think he's I want to know. He's want to know. Ooh, I, ooh, I, th- ooh. I think I get another ooh. stripe I on my merit badge. Okay, okay. In the second scenario. Uh, there's no formal connection with any higher educational institution or actually no connection whatsoever. Ooh. Someone goes to work uh, for the movie The Black Swan for a year and a half mm. and uh, gets a lot of coffee, 
runs a lot of errands, just likes being around the movie production process. Ripped from the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they do not get paid. It's for a year and a half. And um, let's see. We'll stop there. Peter, does that sound like unpaid intern or unpaid employee? Do I get extra credit if I know the case here? <laughs> no, uh, you're supposed to pretend like you don't. Oh, geez, I have no idea, but I'm guessing the answer is they're not an intern. You have to pay them. There you Michael? go. Michael? Yes. Just, just on those facts, <laughs> if there were no other facts, I would agree. That's probably closer to the bucket of not legitimate interns. Now, now Michael, that was a Second Circuit case. How did that actually turn out in the litigation? Well, so that, that went up on appeal, and uh, one of the things that actually prompted um, this Department of Labor, as I said, they were trying to align themselves with some courts around the country. The Second Circuit uh, was one of them uh, that had this much more flexible primary beneficiary standard that was used. Okay, okay. And, but, but more importantly, I want to know, Michael, was that you doing the quack, or was that our fabulous engineer? <laughs> that, was uh, fabulous that was your fabulous <laughs> engineer. I was going to give you credit, because I thought that yeah, was a pretty terrific, lifelike. Yeah. terrific quack. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, so, Michael, going forward here, uh, let, let me ask whether in your practice you saw a lot of these problems before. Was this a topic that was um, really a problem for employee, for intern employees and employers? Um, is this a big deal, cleaning this thing up, or what's, what's your sense? Yeah, I think it, I think it was a big deal, and I think it is a big deal. I mean, particularly okay. when you when you're in years where the market isn't so great uh, and there aren't a lot of jobs. Yeah. Or you know, the other thing that people don't talk about, we're having an aging workforce, so people are staying at work much longer uh, in their careers. So you still, for that reason too, don't have a lot of job openings. There aren't a lot of opportunities for people to get jobs. And I think before I came on, one of you sort of posed the chicken or the egg kind of situation, where you know, in order to be hired, folks look for experience. Um, but how do you get that experience yeah. if you don't have experience? We're going to call that the duck and the egg uh, the problem now. And so employers were being hurt by this lack of flexibility um, because they were getting sued all the time and yeah. the agencies were coming uh, after them. And the employees, frankly, were getting hurt because companies were saying, whoa, if this is going to cause me this kind of problem, yeah. I'm not having my internship programs and you're not going to all get the experience you were otherwise getting. All right, let me throw just a little bit of water on the duck's back on this one. Sure. And that is... That um, I think actually it's more complicated now. I mean, it's more employer friendly, but but before it was a bunch of yes no yes no yes nos. Now you got to balance these seven criteria. You got to call your lawyer to get an answer to this, right? I think you always had to call your lawyer. Oh I yeah. Don't know that it's, I don't know that it's more complicated. <laughs> you know, in some respects, you have less of a definitive answer. I yeah. agree with you when you're balancing things. Yeah. On the other hand, it's very difficult when you have all kinds of different industries, all kinds of different companies within the same industry, to have the same yes-no questions that all have to be met. One size doesn't fit all and shouldn't fit all in this yeah. area either. Yeah. And uh, let me ask about the uh, um, issuance of this by the Department of Labor. Was it one of their, I'll say, uh, guidance memos, whatever we call them, as opposed to a reg? Um, yes, it, it's a fact sheet, and it's yeah. fact sheet number 71 for those keeping score at home yeah. um, that was uh, issued in January. And do I have the law right? They can issue these fact sheets. It's sort of like issuing a pamphlet. You don't know who wrote it within the DOL. And of all the things they could do, this the, these fact sheets are the least worthy of respect by the federal courts who, who interpret and may or may not rely on them. And, and they've been put down in a lot of situations by courts that's saying, if you want something we'll rely on, 
Get off your lazy butts and promulgate a rule under the Administrative Procedures Act. You put it in federal register, let it sit there for 60 days, and then it's the rule, and we'll rely on that. But don't give us this fact sheet like it's a law. Isn't that one of the things going on in the in the litigation? It certainly is when you're talking about a litigation when you're in court, but, you know, also be mindful that the Department of Labor can come after you and uh, on its own without it going into court and, uh, and you know, can cause trouble for the company yeah. based on its own tests. There you yeah. go. So I think the lesson here, just to wrap this up, is see your lawyer regularly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, every, every six months, pay, guys. Pay your lawyer right? a yeah, lot of money. There you go. Uh, Michael, thanks very much for being with us again. Michael, always great talking to you. Thank yep, you. Always great to have you on. We're going to take a quick break now, and we're going to come back and talk about ethics in the workplace. That was Michael Schmidt, Vice Chair of Labor and Employment Department at Cozen O'Connor. We'll see you back in just a minute. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 